and welcome to the Therapeutic Teaching Podcast. I'm Shahana Knight, the founder of TPC Therapy and the creator of the Therapeutic Schools Award and the Therapeutic Teaching Course. And every week I'll be talking about all things related to well-being and mental health in schools. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of inspirational goodness to go out there and make a real difference in the lives of the children that you're working with. Each week will be full of innovative ideas, inspirational stories, practical guidance and even some freebies so that we can actually redefine what school should be for the children of today. You have so much power to make some real changes so let me show you how. I'm so glad you found me here. Let's jump right in. Hi everyone. Today we're going to talk about Mental Health Week. So it's Children's Mental Health Week this week and the focus is on expressing yourself. So I want to unpick that a little bit and just talk about it because one of the things I find really quite hard with Mental Health Weeks or Focused Weeks or Focused Days is that sometimes we can focus our attention so much on that particular day or that particular week and do lots of lessons about it and lots of things about it. But what we forget is that in order to actually teach children, we have to embed that message into our practice every single day, not necessarily even by just what we're teaching, but also by what we're doing. And so instead of a lesson sort of here and there, let's embed lifelong skills. Let's embed tools that they can use for their own mental health and well-being for the future, which is the point of Mental Health Week. And it's great that we've got Mental Health Week because it's highlighting that for us. It's bringing it to everybody's awareness. But in order to really make something stick, as you know, when children learn, they have to learn through repetition. So doing it every now and again isn't good enough. You should be doing mental health stuff every day in your lessons and in your practice. So absolutely this week, go ahead and do a lesson on art, a lesson on drama and assembly about mental health. But then show the children that you're really serious about this. This is something that you want them to truly learn and something that you want them to understand for their life that it will help them and do it every single day. And then if they'll be able to see that you believe in it, so they'll start to believe in it. And just like you have to teach English little bits, little bits, little bits, it's the same with this. So what are some of the things that you could do? We're going to spend the podcast today really just talking about tangible, practical things that you can do with the children and kind of unpicking this a little bit for something that's a little bit more long term than just a week. So how does expressing yourself look in the real world? So we can express ourselves in loads of different ways. And the idea of Mental Health Week is that we're expressing ourselves to kind of help those feelings, those difficulties come out of us and be released. And that's actually very cathartic. I think that's the word where it's healing. It's healing to get things out of us. You know, some of the children in your class will be carrying around things like memories of abuse, memories of pain. They might be struggling with things that are going on at home. Maybe parents don't speak to them very nicely. Maybe they're shouted at a lot. Maybe things are just really chaotic and things are fast paced. Things are, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. It might be that they do feel scared or they're in danger. Maybe they're um, exposed to difficulties at home that, you know, other children aren't. And what children tend to do is bottle all of that up because they don't have an outlet for that they don't have anywhere to put that stuff expressing themselves through art or writing poetry or drama or that's a great way to help those feelings come to the surface and to explore them and a really healthy adult who's looking after their mental health and well-being is going to be doing things like journaling or regularly meeting up with friends to have a talk or meditating or even drawing and that's their process to get those feelings out and make sense of them and that's really what we're asking children to do when we're looking at expressing themselves in this mental health week 
And that concept takes a few layers to have been developed before it becomes natural for children. So when I was little, I actually used these methods to express myself. You know, if you've listened to any of the other um, podcast episodes, I was regularly screaming on the inside, but smiling on the outside. You know, I would go to school, I'd be really kind to everyone, I would make friends, I would listen, I would learn. At home, I would do my very best to make sure that, you know, I wasn't causing anyone any reason to be angry or frustrated. And I probably did have a little bit more of a voice at home, to be fair. I remember being very opinionated um, and saying my piece and being very strong-headed. But ultimately, over the years, I've kind of developed this coping mechanism to always be nice. You know, I always try and make sure things are good, things are nice, things are working well, that, you know, I'm not the cause of any pain, any anger, any frustration. And that probably goes quite far back. But that was extremely difficult to bottle up and to keep in, especially at school, especially with friends. You know, I just wanted to sort of scream and go, oh my God, last night dad was completely drunk and kept us up all night making the alarm go on and off. Or when I was at the table last night, dad said these things to me that really, really hurt my feelings and I can't put those feelings anywhere. I think I was quite emotionally intelligent when I was younger and I was quite lucky because the first five years of our life were quite stable. We did have quite nurturing mum and dad. Um, We did loads of amazing things and we were exposed to doing things like art and listening to music so much so that it was really natural to me. So I was able to comfortably then go to my room, lock the door, because we actually had locks on our bedroom doors, me me and my brother, inside so that we could have that privacy just in case anything was going on. To me now, that seems really strange, but back then it was really necessary and they weren't your average kind of little latch lock. It was a full on front door lock. So when we were in there, we felt really safe. So I would go in there, I would close the door, I would lock the door and I would sit on the floor and I would just draw. And I remember having a big file and sharpened sketching pencils and I would have music on and I would just sit and I would sit for hours and hours and hours and I would just draw. I had to draw by copying something. So I would draw pictures of um, babies, like sketch babies' faces in real detail, or I've got an old man's face, I've got um, a mother's face, a mother's womb, all sorts of stuff. And I'd literally just sit. And while I was sketching, I would actually be thinking and contemplating and working through what was going on in my mind, what was going on in my feelings. And that became my coping mechanism to be able to sit, to be able to block out, to feel really secure that no one was going to come in. I was in my own safe space and I would literally just through that pen channel all of my feelings channel all of my thoughts and get them out now that was a way to self-soothe was to draw but I also needed to work out how I felt and get them out on paper so I also had and have still got a journal and it's this big thick book and every single time something happened that was really negative, I would write it down in this book. So it would just basically be a caption of exactly what had happened to me. Like, I've not read it for years. When I read it, it makes me cry. But because I can feel the, the raw pain that I was going through at such a young age. And I'm talking, I was about eight. And I probably did this, drawing and writing in a journal all the way up till probably when I met my husband. So I remember doing it when I knew him and I was in college then. So... I would say 17. So that's a really embedded coping mechanism. And 
the pages of that book would just literally be this happened today and it would be a script of what was said what was done how I felt what I thought it might be a poem I also wrote a lot of poems and I did anything and everything I could to work through those feelings so that when I went downstairs again all the anger the frustration the resentment the really negative feelings were gone and that was the only way I could function was to make sure those feelings were out so that I could then continue to be the child or the person that I needed to be for everybody else. Now that takes practice and it also takes a level of being extremely comfortable with doing things like drawing, with doing things like art and listening to music and poetry. When we're looking at mental health week for children in school we also have to step back and just think okay if I do a lesson on using art Are these children exposed to art? Can they reach for a pen and pencil at home? Do they have that? Are they comfortable with drawing? Or do they feel like if it's not perfect, it's not good enough? Will it bring up feelings of um, low self-worth? Because if that's the case, then maybe art isn't the best way. Or maybe they need to be more exposed to art. And so then you could think to yourself, okay, so I need to insert art more into our curriculum so that they get really comfortable doing it. So maybe you do more lessons on art. Maybe it's not even a lesson. Maybe it's just that you let them do some art for five minutes at the start of the day or the end of the day. Or you embed that into the way of working. So you go, right, guys, everyone seems a little bit bubbly. I can tell everyone's feeling a little bit unsure, a little bit unstable. We're not really concentrating on our work. I just want everyone to put down your pens, pick up your pencil cases. Let's have five minutes of calming colouring. I'm going to put some relaxing music on and this... This is going to help you really get your minds ready to learn because we're not concentrating. So we need to be in our thinking brain and this will help us. It's really going to help us feel calmer. And that is going to embed this practice. And they can draw what they want. They can colour the whole page. They can draw a rainbow. They can um, make swirly patterns. They can write. They can do whatever they want. There's no judgment. There's no marking scheme. There's no praise. So you won't go around and go, that's fantastic. Oh, beautiful. I love that. Instead, you'd go around and go, oh, you've used green and blue. Oh, you're drawing a car. You're drawing a house. You're writing your feelings down. And that is the difference between helping them feel comfortable with using art as a way to express themselves versus giving them an inner belief that by doing art, they have to do it a certain way, which we can sometimes do when we're teaching art. So it's about being comfortable. The same with music. Okay, so I was really comfortable listening to music because my mum and dad had music on in the house all the time. We had it on in the house, we had it on in the car, we had it on when we went in the caravan on holidays. Dad used it for his way of coping, so he would have music on quite a lot while he was like smoking and when he was drunk because the songs were helping him to work through his stuff or to at least reach his stuff. So he would play a lot of Eva Cassidy and listen to the sort of the words of Eva Cassidy. So I realised that I could use words to express myself. And that wasn't a one-off lesson at school. That was an exposure that was every single day. So I was really comfortable with words, really comfortable with writing and, and music. And so I would write poetry or I would listen to songs. As I got a bit older, that translated into the type of music I listened to. So I learned that I could listen to some songs that were really sad. And those sad songs helped me feel better randomly because the person singing them felt how I felt in that moment. The words expressed how I felt in that moment. And I couldn't find those words, but somebody else had them. So I would listen to a lot of Eva Cassidy as well, a lot of the um, really sort of sad older songs and I actually modeled a lot of the songs mum and dad listened to to be fair so it wasn't anything current and it would be like 
I don't know, um, Billy Joel or, you know, Eric Clapton. But, you know, even the stuff that I did listen to on the mainstream radio, I would be drawn into the really sad versions. Other days when I was really angry, I'd plug in Eminem. Now, you'd never catch me listening to Eminem now, but I needed those lyrics. I needed that anger. I needed that frustration. And singing along to those songs was a really safe way of being angry. If I could sing those songs in a really aggressive way, but actually I was just singing, the guilt wasn't there. I didn't need to go out and scream and shout and swear at people because I could do that by listening to these songs. So it was really healing to be able to do that. I was expressing myself by putting Eminem on and swearing and singing over and over and over and over again. And a lot of young people do that. Now, just disclaimer, I wasn't eight when I was listening to Eminem. (laughs) I was probably a teenager by that point. I was definitely in high school. And it was great to be able to plug in headphones, even when I was with my family, when things were a bit intense, and just go into my own world and listen to songs. That was a really good coping mechanism for me. And I'm very grateful that even though things were quite difficult for my family, I was allowed to do that. I was allowed to put my headphones on for hours because I needed that time. So I was really comfortable with that. So again, how can you look at your teaching role and go, okay, so the lesson here isn't that we just do a one-off session, that it's embedding these skills. Where can I play music through the day? Maybe I can have calming music on in the morning. Maybe I can teach children about different types of music. You know, we can listen to music that makes us feel really happy and then explain why that is and how that reaches inside of us. We can listen to music that makes us feel really sad and explore the lyrics. And the more you do that, the more you teach that, the more they're going to feel comfortable with that. And it might be that you actually build that into the classroom and go, okay, guys, so... I'm going to do the register and I'm going to play some music while the register is being done. I want you to just write down how the music's making you feel. And the more you do that as a practice, like as a daily routine, again, no marking schemes, you're not looking at it, it's just personal to them, the more they might start to utilise that for their own life. Now, that's one way of doing it. So absolutely make sure that you've got music, journaling, art built into your timetable, not just as a lesson obviously as a lesson as well, but not just as a lesson. It's just a general thing you all do together in the day so that it becomes really normal, really comfortable and part of their daily routine. You're teaching them how to self-regulate basically when they're calm. And one of the things that's really important is that we've got to utilise these skills when we're feeling good so that we know that they'll help us when we're not feeling good. If we only do them when we're feeling bad, we're going to associate those things with feeling not great. Whereas I was really comfortable with music and I knew that would make me feel better and I was really comfortable with art. So I knew that would make me feel better when I needed it the most. So another thing to look at for you guys is how can you start to build this in to not just your day-to-day routine, which is doing all of that that I've just said, but also then teaching them the next part that, okay, we're looking at mental health here. Well, mental health is the thoughts, the feelings, the mindset that we have every day. We know that our mental health is starting to struggle when we get angry, when we get frustrated, when we can't take another person's opinion, when we are stuck in a really negative mindset. We don't want to get up. We don't want to listen to people. We don't want to go out. You can start to feel it in your body. That's when you know your mental health isn't doing very well. But it starts off a lot earlier than that. It actually starts with daily well-being routines, which is what I'm talking about when I say we need to embed this and do small things every day. That is building up their resilience to well-being, helping them to understand how to look after and manage their well-being every day, doing really small things. But if we really want to start to think, okay, when you're at a peak point where mental health 
potentially maybe you're struggling with your mental health. Maybe you are more angry. Maybe you are frustrated. Maybe you've got children who are pulling down displays or getting into arguments a lot more often or refusing to do their work and walking out. That is not a naughty or a bad child. That is a child who needs support with their mental health. That is a child who's reached breaking point, who doesn't really know how to self-regulate and isn't sure how to manage all of those feelings. That is going to key into a negative mindset, negative beliefs and negative mental health if it goes on for too long. The next part of this puzzle is to then teach them how to self-regulate using those tools that you expect them to express themselves with. So a self-regulation tool is something that helps you to calm yourself down and manage your feelings so for me doing the art doing the drawing of the um, sketching and the music and the poetry actually that was me self-regulating I was going up at the height of experiences feeling really upset and down and I was doing something to help myself calm down I was self-regulating that is a skill now you cannot expect a child to know how to self-regulate if you don't teach them how to self-regulate when it matters. So again, going back to obviously what I always talk about, which is the more vulnerable children, but also all children actually, are we as a society teaching our children how to self-regulate every day at home? If you're a parent or if you know parents, can you confidently say that, okay, every time Sarah gets extremely emotional and cries and gets really upset, somebody goes over, they give her a hug, they rub her arm and they say, right, you're really struggling today. You're feeling really low. You're feeling really down. Do you know what? Let's have a bath. A bath will really help soothe you. I'm going to put some bubbles in. I'm going to put some um, nice smelly stuff in and that's going to help you to really calm down. Or they go, okay, Sarah, let's go upstairs. I think if you just had a little bit of time in your room to do some art, you'll feel a lot better. Instead of, Sarah, why are you breaking down every second of today? It's getting really annoying. Or Sarah, what is wrong with you? You've cried three times today. Sort yourself out. Are we teaching self-regulation tools to our children? I don't think we are, or at least enough, as much as we could. And again, that then translates into school. If you have got those children who are really struggling to manage their feelings, that is around mental health. That's a perfect time to teach them about expressing themselves, not just in a lesson on mental health week, but when they really, really need it. So let's say that Jack has had a really frustrating morning. Maybe he was late for school. Maybe mum was really angry at him for being late or maybe mum struggled to get out of bed that morning because she's depressed. Maybe they didn't have breakfast. He's coming to school. He's already stressed. He's already struggling with his well-being. And that's the first low level. And as the day goes on, more things trigger him. He can't do his work. He gets intensely frustrated and angry. He goes out to play outside. It's really noisy. Everyone seems to have a friend. He doesn't really have a friend. So he goes to play football, but he doesn't quite get the ball. He doesn't feel like he's really joining in. He gets really aggressive and he kicks someone. That is where you can start to see, okay, this is moving forward now. And the more he will do this as a response, the more it's going to impact his mental health. In a year... He might start to believe that people don't really care. He might start to believe that he is an angry or a naughty boy because of all the feedback he's getting when he feels that way. That is going to impact his mental health. You're going to have a child who's quite low, who's quite frustrated, who's quite angry and who starts to believe that's who they are. And that isn't the case. So in those moments when you can see that he's struggling with his feelings, give him a tool to self-regulate. Go over and say, okay, Jack, you're feeling really frustrated. I can see that it's building up. You've really struggled this morning. You've had a tough morning. Now you're really struggling to do your maths. And I can see you're getting really quite angry. I want you to go over to the calm corner and just listen to some music for 10 minutes and then come back and carry on with this piece of work. 
before a kickoff, before he's angry, before he goes on the playground and falls out with his friend and kicks his friend. You've acknowledged he needs a little bit of support here and he needs to learn to express himself when he's struggling in a way that's healthy and not in anger. So you're giving him that, you're building that in. So then he gets the opportunity to go over and put on some headphones Let's say that you've pre-prepared an iPad and that iPad has some slow songs on it and it has some more kind of expressive songs on it. You might choose to have words or you might not. You might choose pieces of music. And he goes over and he puts the headphones on. The headphones give him a feeling of security and safety. He's in his own zone, just like I was behind the door with the lock. He doesn't have to feel exposed and vulnerable. He might be in a tent. Again, if he's in something, everyone's not staring at him or watching him. He's just got his own space for a few minutes. He goes in, he listens to that music. Maybe there's a piece of paper on in there, a bit of art in there. Maybe there's something else he can do with his fingers and he's you know messing around. Maybe he puts a bit of Lego together. After 10 minutes... He comes out and he gets back on with his maths. That is teaching him how to express himself when it really matters because that is a tool. It's a key thing for life. I knew that I needed to go upstairs and to release some of those feelings. And I would often do that before I would go down for tea or before I would go out or before I would even see some people. I remember when I was like 17, I remember my boyfriend, who is now my husband, asking me to go round. And I was so frustrated. I was so angry. I was so down. And I remember saying to him, I'm not going to come until I finish doing this drawing because I need to do it. And I acknowledged that in order for me to be available to him, I needed to get those feelings out. And that's the case for your kids. In order for them to be able to actually apply themselves to their friendships and their work, they've got to get those feelings out. And as a society, if we just expect them to cope and expect them to coast along, we're not teaching them anything and they're going to fail. He was going to go outside and have a massive kickoff because we could see it was building up, but we didn't do anything to help. And that isn't okay. You know, that's that's failing the children. So also build in these self-regulation tools. Now that might be a tent in your classroom. And I'm not saying that you have a tent in your classroom, but you only expect the children who've misbehaved to use it or that you pinpoint a certain child whose tent it is. Everyone in that class will struggle with their well-being at some point. Everyone needs to learn how to manage their mental health and everyone needs to learn how to express themselves. So everyone should have the opportunity to go in there if they need it. Maybe you've got calm boxes. So I don't know that I've, I've, I don't know if I've talked about this for a long while now, but calm boxes are things like having boxes with Lego in or Meccano in or a bit of calming colouring in it or a bit of Play-Doh. And you might suggest that a child goes to have a bit of time with that calm box if you can see they need it. So again, it might be, okay, um, Jackie, you're really struggling with your friends today. You've been quite snappy and frustrated and I know you don't want to be like that. I can see that you're struggling and I think it would be really good for you to just go and have five minutes in the calm box. It'll help calm your brain down. It'll help calm your emotions down. And then you'll be able to speak to your friends without feeling frustrated. Go and have a little bit of time now. She gets that five minutes and then she can come back regulated. That is so much better. Now, just remember, we don't want to send our children off to sort themselves out. They might need help. So if you've got a TA or if you've got a one-to-one for that particular child, that person should be going with the child. Let them go in the tent. Maybe you sit outside or if they go and have a bit of time in the calm box, maybe just go with them, get the calm box out, put the stuff on the carpet, 
give them a bit of a rub on the back and then walk away so they know they've got some um, connection with a caring adult. They're not just being expected to go and sort it out for themselves. And do that with low-level behaviours. The more you do that, the more you're teaching them how to self-regulate and the more you're teaching them how to be comfortable with expressing themselves when it matters. And that's a real key. So do that as much as you can. So let's just recap. Getting them comfortable with things like writing, journaling, drawing, listening to music and art embedding that into your daily practices in school so having calm boxes available doing calm journals in the morning doing music in the morning doing meditation every day regularly so it becomes part of their normal routine and so they can feel the benefits of that every day and then embedding that in when it really matters and teaching them self-regulation so now they're comfortable with those mediums and those ways of expressing themselves we then have to start to look at okay how can we create this and embed this into your coping mechanism when you really need it and that's about talking them through it explaining how they're feeling highlighting their behaviors and then saying why don't you go and have a little bit of time to do whatever it is and then you're teaching them to start to use that and the hope is that then like me when they're at home and things are really difficult they'll go I'm going to go and have some time upstairs listen to music and they'll close the door and they'll have their regulation time or they might draw or they might write because they feel really comfortable with those mediums now and you've taught them that's what they need to do to calm down that is going to teach children how to be expressive with their mental health and also the last final point would be what can you do to model that? So children learn through observation. They've learned to be angry and frustrated and to snap because very often their caregiver is like that with them. And that's now their way of, of coping. Not always. We all get angry. We all get frustrated. It's part of our general coping mechanisms. You know, we all go into fight, flight, freeze. If you've heard any of the other podcasts, that's really normal. But sometimes they're modelling what other people do. If you get really angry at a child when they've misbehaved, you're teaching them that it's okay to get really angry when you're stressed. If you snap at a child when you're feeling a little bit stressed out, when you're feeling a little bit tired, then you're teaching the child that it's okay to snap at people when they feel tired. So they're watching you all the time, your own children and the kids at school. So let's see if you can start to model some of these ways. If you're saying, okay, we express ourselves when we feel really frustrated or let's express ourselves to help with our mental health, then how can we do that? Can you do some drawing in front of the children? Can you get involved when you're doing drawing and actually draw as well? Can you say, do you know, last night I was feeling really, really frustrated and tired. It's been a really tricky week, hasn't it, everyone? So I had a really calming bath. I listened to some music. Did anyone else do anything to help them to calm down? And just constantly model through what you say and what you do so that they can learn that that's what adults do. Healthy, well-functioning adults, which is what we're all trying to be, um, can do when they're feeling frustrated. And then they're going to associate that with coping mechanisms when they're older as well. So these things are super, super important. It's really about helping children to embed mental health um, strategies, taking care of their mental health, using strategies that are embedded into their general day to day and feeling really, really comfortable to do that. And hopefully this podcast is just giving you a little bit of inspiration about how you can do that long term. Because as much as I absolutely love the fact that we've got a children's mental health week, it really isn't just about that one week. It's about every single day, every single moment and really teaching them what that means in a really practical way. 
Hopefully this podcast has been inspiring. If you've enjoyed it, please share it with other people. Spread the word. Use it with the staff in school on an inset day or as part of a team building exercise. Really, really utilise it to get the best from your staff, from yourself, so that you can give the best to the children. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in another podcast episode. I hope you've loved this week's episode of the Therapeutic Teaching Podcast. If you want more help and support to become a therapeutic teacher, but don't know where to start, then head to tpctherapy.co.uk and enrol in my free course now and get started.